Why do we call Good Friday good? Because, I don't know about you, but when I think about the story, it wasn't good for Jesus. <laughs> you know, the, the death that Jesus went through, uh, I think it was really the Passion of the Christ film that Mel Gibson made a few years ago that for the first time brought it to our screen, something even approaching the horrors of what crucifixion was all about. It wasn't good for Jesus. Not only the death, which was horrific, but the abandonment from his friends, the uh, humiliation, the public beatings, the uh, abandonment from his father as well on the cross, which is, you saw it there, the words, let alone the physical torment that he went through. Crucifixion, by all historical accounts, is the most gruesome way you can die. You don't get nails put through your palms, which is what you often see, but you get it put through the bones on your wrists there, which means that as you hang like that, your body wants to pull down but it wants to pull up and it pulls down and it pulls up for hour after hour after hour his internal organs were rupturing as well as all on the outside wasn't a good day for Jesus and it wasn't actually good for the father neither because I don't know about you but if you're uh, parents and you've got kids the last thing you want to do is for pain and suffering to come to your kids isn't it you'll do anything you can to stop pain and suffering for your kids And our thoughts and prayers are with so many people uh, around the world right now, aren't they? And perhaps especially, I know for me, and I'm sure for you as well, for all those parents and family of those kids that are on that boat in South Korea. A terrible, terrible tragedy. And you know that those parents, if they could get to their kids, they'd do anything they could to get to them and stop the suffering and the pain. So it wasn't good for Jesus. It wasn't good for the Father And it actually wasn't good for the followers of Jesus neither because they'd followed him for three years. They put all their hope and faith and trust in him and he was dead. He was crucified in front of them and buried and put in a tomb. It wasn't good for them. So it wasn't good for Jesus and it wasn't good for the Father and it wasn't good for the followers of Jesus at the time. Why do we call it Good Friday? I want to show you one verse from the Bible and it's going to come up on the screen. And uh, Charles Spurgeon, who was a famous preacher uh, two or three hundred years ago, he said this is one of the greatest verses in the Bible. Because if you don't understand anything else, he used to say, if you get this one verse, you kind of get it all. And this is the verse. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. There's 25 words on there. There's only two of them that have got more than one syllable. It's like the shortest, simplest, cleanest verse you could think of. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I want to tell you why we call it Good Friday. There's lots of reasons historically. but Let me tell you why I think we call it Good Friday. We call it Good Friday, number one, because he was good. Jesus was good. And I don't just mean pretty good like I don't mean good some of the time I mean he was good the Bible says he never sinned sin is the word that the Bible uses for all of the stuff that we do wrong that doesn't match up to God's standard and Jesus was perfect he was fully God and he was fully man it's a real mystery that but he was really good and under the Jewish system of sacrifice they needed a good sacrificial lamb Someone, the, 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 Bible, uh, the Bible records in the Old Testament, without spot or blemish, perfect. That's what they did in the system, okay, in the Jewish uh, kind of uh, system of sacrifice to atone for people's sins. And Jesus came along and the Bible says he never sinned, he was good, perfectly good. Now some of you might be sitting there and you're thinking, well I'm not too bad either. 
I'm a pretty good person. I'm sure you are a really good person. And I'm good some of the time. How many of you know that? Uh, But other times I'm not. And actually, I know that deep down inside every single person, no matter how good we are, there's some of us stuff that we just don't quite match up to the standard that God sets. It's a little bit like if you imagine a wall, and there's some walls here. If you imagine the bricks in the wall, and if you imagine on the bottom, you wrote names of the people in history who you think were the worst people ever. Okay, So they're not good, they're the worst. So you might have Hitler on there, and Saddam Hussein, and Pol Pot, and Stalin, and all these kind of people, or people that have done horrendous things to other people. Imagine at the top of the wall... Okay, right at the top of the wall by the ceiling, you put a name of all the really good people that have ever lived on planet Earth. So who could we have? We'd have Mother Teresa, Florence Nightingale, Nelson Mandela, Dan Bennett, all, all, the, all, these, all these other like amazing people. And we'd have a list at the top, right by the ceiling, of all the good people and the bottom, all the bad people. Then I said to you, where are you? Where would you put yourself? Most of you wouldn't put yourself next to Mother Teresa or Dan Bennett, okay? But you certainly wouldn't put yourself near Pol Pot or Stalin or Hitler, would you? You'd probably say, I'm about in the middle. Because if you're British, that's what we are, isn't it? Just about in the middle. And I know you're not all British. But here's the thing, okay? It's okay thinking they're really good if the standard is the ceiling. But what about if the standard is the moon? What about if the standard is the moon? then those guys and girls who were really good still miss the mark. So even Mother Teresa that did some great things, she was saying, she's dead now, but she wrote in her journals that often she didn't feel good things even though she did good things. Because we've all missed the mark. None of us are good. Only one person who's ever walked on this planet was good, and that was Jesus. So that's one reason why it's Good Friday, because he was good. But secondly, it's also Good Friday because he made a really good sacrifice. And by good, I mean it was effective. It was an effective sacrifice. You see, under the Jewish system in the Old Testament, how they made atonement, if you like, how they made people right with God, was they used to take a perfect sacrifice. It was often a goat or a lamb. Say a goat often. And the goat was perfect and without spot or blemish. And what the priest would do is that he would put his hands on the goat and symbolically he was saying that all of the wrong stuff that everyone in the country has ever done, I'm going to now lay it on the head of this goat and we're going to send this goat out into the desert. We'll never see him again. And what they called that goat was the scapegoat. That's where we get the word scapegoat from. I'm going to take all the bad stuff off you and I'm going to put it on this goat and out it goes and so we can be made right with God again. But you see, what he did symbolically on a goat, Jesus did literally on a cross. He became that perfect scapegoat. He took my place and he took my penalty. That's what makes this Good Friday, isn't it? He took my place because I should have been there on the cross because I've done some th- loads of stuff wrong and I'm separated from God and no matter how hard I try, I'm always going to miss the mark. So I should have been there on the cross and actually I should have taken the punishment, which the Bible says the punishment, the wages of sin is death. So that's my punishment and yet he took it all on himself. That is an incredibly good sacrifice, isn't it? So not only is it Good Friday because he was good, but it's also Good Friday because he made a good sacrifice. What he did was he paid a debt he didn't owe so that we so that we could could go free. That's an amazing thing. You see the third thing is not only was he good, not, not only secondly did he make a good offering, but thirdly he made a really good gift to us. The Bible says here 
that for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That word there, made right with God, in some old versions of the Bible it says credited righteousness. It's a banking term, okay? It's a banking term. From a theological point of view, it's called the doctrine of imputation. Not amputation, that's something different, but the doctrine of imputation. And what it means is this, it's a banking term, and it means this, that what happens is that we credit everything in my bank account to you and everything in your bank account to me. So imagine Roman Abramovich. If you don't know who he is, he's a Russian billionaire who owns Chelsea Football Club. He's quite well off, okay? Quite well off. He owns, he owns loads and loads of money and loads and loads of, 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 of property. Imagine one day he wakes up and he opens his iPad and checks his bank account and your bank account is now his bank account and his bank account is your, now your bank account. Who's going to be the happier of the two? That's good, isn't it? Can you imagine that? Everything in my bank account is transferred to him. Everything in his bank account is transferred to me. That's what it means when it says that on the cross, God made us right with him. He credited to us righteousness so that everything in Jesus' bank account is in us and everything in ours has been transferred onto him. I think that's good news. What a great saviour. What a great saviour. He was good. He made a good sacrifice and he gave us a good gift so that now you and I can be made right with God. And in a few moments, we're going to take communion together. And when we eat this bread and when we drink this juice, we are remembering what Christ has done for us on the cross. Isn't that incredible? And you know, the other, other reason why I think, which is a kind of an aside, but it's important, why I think this is Good Friday is this. Because when I look at Good Friday, I see a God who doesn't stay distant from pain and suffering, who doesn't stay on the sidelines shouting and telling us what to do, but I see a God who sends himself right into pain. And when people say to me, how can you believe in a God when there's all this suffering in the world? I say, I can believe in a God when I look at Jesus. Because he didn't stay distant. He suffered. He entered into the human condition. He knows what it is to be in pain. The father knows what it is for his son to be in pain. They know exactly how we feel. So that's how I know this is Good Friday. Because we serve a great God, don't we? I want to show you something. This is kind of to demonstrate it. I want you to imagine that this represents God and this represents us. And way back in the beginning of time, this is our relationship. We perfectly connected. We perfectly faced each other. There was no gap. There was no separation. The first mankind, first people that ever walked the planet of the earth, Adam and Eve, were in a perfect relationship with God. There was nothing in between us and him. But then because God loves us so much, what he did is he gave us free will and choice. So what we did is that we rebelled with that free will and choice and we turned our back on God. And when we turned our back on God, the Bible says that then there came all this stuff between us, which the Bible calls sin. And because God is not only loving, but he's also just and holy, he couldn't tolerate facing that sin. So actually, he turned his back on us as well for a season. But you know what? Because God loves us so much, he wanted us back. So what he did, and the Bible says that while we were still in our sin, with our back against God, what God did is he sent Jesus to face us and to deal with all of the stuff that was separating us from him. That's what happened on Good Friday. And now all we have to do now is turn back and face him again. And we can be in perfect relationship with him. I don't know about you, but that's good, isn't it? That's good. 
And in a moment, I'm going to invite you to take communion tonight. And we're not going to take it by people coming and serving it out to you because you can come and get it yourself. Not because we don't want to serve you, but because we want you to know that if you are right with God, if you've turned and faced him again, if you've said sorry for what you've done wrong and said, I want to receive this gift that you give me, you are in perfect relationship with God. He has credited your bank account with all that Christ has got. And all of the stuff that separated you from God has gone. And all of the stuff in Christ has now been in your bank account. And so you can come and you can eat and drink tonight. And that's good, isn't it? That's good. Father, thank you for this incredible gift that you've given us. This great, perfect, good sacrifice, your only son, Jesus. God, may we never lose the wonder. May we never lose the wonder. God, may we may always take our breath away. May we always be grateful. May we always be like, just like, wow, God, you are so amazing. You lived a perfect life, Jesus, and you made a perfect offering, and you've given us a perfect gift. And so, Lord, what we want to do is we want to eat, we want to drink, we want to celebrate, we want to be grateful for all that you have done. In Jesus' name, amen.